Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, it's not a weekend, but it is a holiday. Glad to be with you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth hanging out on this Labor Day Monday. Glad to have you with us today, wherever you may be joining us from. If you are laboring today, if you are uh, like one of the many of us, like uh, Eric Slaughter and myself today, and you're working, we're especially glad to, to have you along. If you're out and about today, you're dealing with some folks who may be working today, be kind, leave a good tip today. Labor Day, for some people, it means the end of summer. For me... It means we've got meaningful football, and that's uh, that's where we're going to start today. We'll talk uh, a lot of college football today. We'll talk a lot about the Atlanta Falcons as they get set to open up their season uh, on Sunday inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Eric Slaughter, good to have you along today, my friend. Oh, brother, how you feeling? You know, I'm coming I'm into good. show two. Appreciate you. I know you've been working hard. I heard you with uh, Sam and um, – uh, uh, Coach, Friday night when I was driving home for my yep. game, you had a good yep. game up there in Ringgold, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good game Friday night. Ringgold was able to get a win over uh, Northwest Whitfield, so a little three A 3A program knocking off a three uh, A program with a first year head coach, uh, knocking off a four A program. So that's uh, it was a nice win for those kids. So yeah, so that was fun. It's always good when I get a chance to um, hang out with. Sam and coach for a little bit. So, and, um, you know, we got meaningful high school football. Now I think it's time to get ready for some, some, we've got meaningful college football that's happening now. And we're getting closer to the start of meaningful pro football. No more of these boring NFL preseason games. Uh, we've got week one coming up this week for the Falcons. Falcons and Panthers kick off the season again Sunday, 1 o'clock inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Falcons countdown to kickoff begins at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. You can join uh, Mike Johnson and me for that. And, of course, our coverage, uh, our game day coverage here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game begins two hours before that with the Wade Ford Tailgate Show. That starts at 9 o'clock with John Freaky, Joe Patrick, and Harper LaBelle for that. So, That'll be fun. Speaking of Joe Patrick, he's going to join us coming up a little bit later on today. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about these Falcons as they head into the um, week one of the NFL. We got college football underway this week. I know it started last week, but really, this uh, you know that that Thursday before Labor Day up through today, I have long said the the college football season had the best opener of any of the major sports in this in, in this country 
because it's five straight days of games. You got games that started last Thursday with Florida and in Utah. We'll talk about some of these too. Uh, you got you had some games Friday night. I am not a fan of high school of uh, college football on Friday night. I think Friday nights are for the high schools. College football does not need to play on Friday night ever, ever, ever. But I realize that's not the case everywhere in the country. So there are some games that get uh, get scheduled on a Friday. Personally, not a fan. Uh, and of course, you had a full day on Saturday. Sunday, we'll talk about that LSU-Florida State game last night. you got a game tonight. So it's like five straight days of football. Start on a Thursday. You wind it up on a Monday. And we it felt like we used to see a lot of really big games to kick off the season. This year, it that just wasn't the case. As a matter of fact, this year was kind of tame, uh, kind of bland really compared to what we have seen, it's almost like that week before Thanksgiving in college football, like Thanksgiving weekend. It's typically the weekend where you get um, – it's the last weekend of the regular season, so you get all the big rivalry games that weekend. The weekend before that is you got a lot of games against cream puffs that teams want as that tune-up before they go face their arch rival. Uh, I, I thought all along the, the game of the week would end up being that LSU-Florida State game last night. First half of that game, uh, it was kind of entertaining. I mean, it was pretty good. It, it, you kind of felt like LSU never really got it going even in that first half. Um, I mean, they did have a first-half lead, and it could have been worse had they, you know, what was it, Florida State stopped them twice? at the goal line. So, and then Florida State goes on and scores 31 unanswered. I, I kind of thought that would be the best game this, this weekend. Certainly that was the game that I think had the most hype around it. Um, you had North Carolina, South Carolina. I had hopes for. UNC won that game pretty comfortably. So, really, it wasn't a great weekend for college football matchups. And I hope this isn't a precursor now of what is to come. You know, we had Gary Stoken on, who's the president of the AFLAC kickoff game and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and Gary voiced some real concern about the future of those type games, which have always pitted, you know, power five teams against each other. A lot of times we've gotten ranked teams that square off in these games. But with the changing landscape in college football, conference expansion going on, would teams still want to participate in one of those early season marquee-type matchups? Uh, you get into conference expansion, there is a chance that you know most conferences are going to end up going to nine games. So that's one less non-conference game that you're going to need with the playoff expanding next year and going to 12, do you really need to have that early season win over a Power 5 team to help you out, especially if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten? So, look, I think there is is really some questions that a lot of people have about these those type of games going forward. I hope it doesn't change. I you know, we're seeing college football become, like it or not, 
becoming more and more of an NFL uh, flavor to it, right? You know, with with the expanded playoffs, more teams getting into the playoffs, things have changed a little bit. I, you know, somebody um, made the comment the other day to me about the, um, you know, this crazy expansion world that we live in now in in college football, and you've got, you know, two teams from California being in the, um, in the Big Ten. You've got teams from out west and Dallas, Texas being a part of the ACC, and I'm like, well, you go back, back before the NFL expanded and kind of reworked things, uh, man, the Atlanta Falcons used to be, don't forget, the Falcons used to play in the, the Falcons were in the NFC West. Cowboys have been in the NFC East. Makes no sense geographically, but yet there's where we are. And the idea that College football has, I think, moved on from the geographic footprint, right, that it that it started out as and has been for a long time. At one point in time, college football was very much a it was very much a regional sport. You know, there were people, if you grew up in the South, you were a fan of those teams in the Southeastern Conference. And you really didn't care much about what USC or UCLA did. You didn't care about those California schools. Um, you know, if you grew up in Texas, you know, you were a fan of, you know, Texas or Texas A&M or Baylor or SMU or whoever, and you cared about your team and, the you know, the Southwest Conference or the Big 8 or whatever, and you didn't care about anybody else. That has kind of changed now. You know, part of it is due to the playoffs. Part of it is due to these massive, you know, TV deals now. You go back 40 years ago, even the television around college football was very regional in its scope. That's not, or certainly 45 years ago was definitely the case. Now it's a little different. Now you're getting more than one national game that's out there every week. So you're going to have to get used to the idea that the conference as it has been regionally aligned for years and those schools in the SEC being in the southeastern part of the United States, those teams in the ACC being along the Atlantic coast, none of that really matters anymore. It's not, you know, geography doesn't mean a flipping thing with any of this stuff. I will say this, though, about this weekend. Was it a great slate of college football games? No. We still got one more tonight. We got Clemson and Duke. Is it a great weekend of games? No. But by golly, Eric, it's games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am so tired of talking about name, image, and likeness legislation. Uh, I'm tired of talking about expansion and all of this. It was great. To, it's great to finally turn that conversation actually towards games yeah. that touchdowns. are being played or yeah. have been played. Yeah. Touchdowns, sacks, penalties, coaches, players. Absolutely, real stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no. I'm. I'm. Look, that's that to me. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Georgia won over the weekend pretty comfortably over UT Martin. A lot of people got a uh, got a chance to play in that game. Surprised a little bit at some of the negativity that came out on social media after uh, Georgia's win. Let's hear from. Uh, Georgia head coach Kirby Smart uh, on uh, saying that he, he thinks some of his guys uh, grew up 
against the Skyhawks. I did think we had some players grow up out there today. And, you know, when you have look on the sideline and there's five and six guys that are dinged up and banged up, and we knew there was going to be some butterflies for some guys, particularly on offense. And I thought they grew up tonight. You got a new quarterback. You got a new coordinator. You're missing a couple of skill guys on offense. Carson Beck still managed to throw for 294, and he didn't turn it over. Now, there's no doubt that Georgia could have played better. Um, but I think you could say that about most teams in uh, in week one. They could have played better all the way around, but yet they still put up 48 points and 559 yards of total offense, and they didn't turn the ball over. Uh, look, Georgia only scored 33 last year against an FCS opponent in Samford. And I really think that there is uh, – there's not a lot of reasons for anybody to be concerned. I mean, number one, if you look at this Georgia schedule, you got Ball State and UAB two out of the next three weeks and with South Carolina sandwiched in there. Speaking of South Carolina, did you see the rest of the SEC East <laughs> this weekend? South Carolina didn't look all that hot. They didn't run the ball particularly well against North Carolina and they gave up nine sacks. What's that Georgia defense, who I still think is pretty good? Now, they may not be that, uh, you know, one of the all-time greats like what we saw a couple of years ago at Georgia, two years ago. But I think this group is still really good. So, what are they going to do against, a, against a, a defense that gave up, or against an offense, rather, that surrendered nine sacks to a North Carolina team. And let's face it, since Mac Brown has come back to North Carolina, and yes, he's brought in some new life to that program, and I know he's hired Gene Chiswick to be his defensive coordinator, but the way North Carolina has won games since Mac Brown has come back has been by outscoring people. It, it hasn't been by playing lockdown defense. So I, I think Georgia's going to be fine. Uh, Florida was awful Thursday night against Utah. We could talk more about that. Uh, Utah, way, way more physical Thursday night than what Florida was. Let me tell you, we, we you talk about negative stuff on social media. Boy, the Wolves are at the door for Billy Napier at Florida. Uh, he's a Georgia native, nice guy. Uh, don't know him personally, but I've met and spoke with his brother a number of times. Met his dad years ago when his dad was coaching at Murray County. Uh, good football family. He's somebody I really wanted to pull for. And he is, what was yesterday, his 13th, 14th game, whatever it was, as a head coach at Florida, uh, or Thursday night, rather. They are coming after him big time. Tennessee won. I thought Tennessee looked pretty good. Uh, and I think that says something about the job that Josh Heupel has done when Tennessee can beat an ACC opponent by 30-plus, and you got some people around that program that aren't exactly happy with the way they looked either. Uh, Missouri beat an FCS team. They only won by 25. Kentucky was a slow start against Ball State. Kentucky had to score late just to cover in that game. And Vandy won again, but it's Vandy. So I think when you start looking at the SEC East and Georgia, I mean, outside of Tennessee, you're going to be fine in the East. 
after week one, I think there's two teams in the SEC uh, that have been greatly overvalued in the preseason. South Carolina was one. The idea that South Carolina was going to overtake Tennessee, that they could be the number two team in the East, yeah, that ain't happening. Uh, and the other's LSU. I mean, LSU struggled in this game last year against Florida State. They bounced back. They had a nice year. But, I'm, you know, if the idea at LSU is to take the next step, it's going to be really difficult for them now. Let's get a look at your headlines. We'll do that next. Chris Goforth hanging out on this Memorial Day Monday or Labor Day Monday. Holy crap. Where'd the summer go? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game in the Odyssey app. Hang on. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris, go forth on this Labor Day. Labor Day. It's hard to believe, man. It is, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, I've always heard the older you get, Eric, the faster time moves. Uh, I'm starting to think there's some truth to that because this summer has just blown by. I mean, legit, it feels like you and I were just here on uh, Memorial Day. We did like work Memorial week. Day, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we're, we're together every holiday, right? I, I spend you. more holidays with you than I do my family. <laughs> I feel the same way, brother, but it's all good. You know, it's, I'm just so blessed that, you know, I remember, I think I said on 4th of July, for 4th of July, first time was um, that uh, Mike emailed me and said, Eric, I'm going to let you host for four hours on 4th of July. And I, I kind of crumbled That's a little awesome. bit, I, you know. And I said when I started my 4th of July show, I said four years ago on 4th of July, I would have been driving somewhere to a picnic listening to this station saying to myself that that's what I want to do. Yeah. And then on yeah. 2023, 4th of July, I'm like, here I am a couple years later hosting for four hours. God that's is it. good. So, that's you know, it. I'm happy. There ain't no doubt. There ain't no doubt. Let's get into our headlines. We'll uh, take a look at uh, maybe some of what you might have missed, get you caught up on what's happening uh, in sports. Let's start with the uh, the Braves from last night. Dodgers beat the Braves 3-1. You're not going to win them all, but, boy, did I sure want to see the Braves get that sweep. Um, and the, the one thing that I will say, and I don't want to hear about pitching injuries for the Dodgers and blah, 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 Braves are the best team in the National League, uh, and I don't even think it's even close, frankly. Uh, let's hear, uh, listen in. Matt Olson hit home run number 44. He had gone 18 games without a home run until he goes yard. Here's uh, here's Matt Olson. 0 for 3. Riley's now 0 for 3, and Matt is 0 for 2, but hold on. Matt with a Shot Homer. Say goodbye to the drought of 18 games without a long ball. He ties Otani with his 44th of the season, and it makes it two to one. And I'll tell you what, no matter what happens the rest of this game for him, the feeling of that going home is huge. When you get on the plane, you know you kind of broke the ice. Oh for three. Well, you get that guy going again, and uh, it's huge. Braves do come home. They are uh, off today, uh, the rare holiday off. But uh, Braves get uh, get today off. They open up a homestand Tuesday against St. Louis. No starter has been announced yet. There are 26 games remaining in the season. If the Braves keep winning, they, they sit at 90 wins right now. They're winning at about a 66% clip. 
this team is going to finish somewhere around 106, 107 wins. Now, Chris, I know yep. that's I did that math myself, but think yep. about what that man said. He went three weeks without a home run, and he still got 44. I know. He still I got 44. 50 is definitely within sight. He went three yes. weeks without a home run. Yes. Yes. And, I think so. Yeah, and now you've got so. the Major League League because Otani's done for the year. Well, and I, I think one other thing. You're talking about look at the tear that the Braves have been on over these last three weeks. When and Matt he's Olson been struggling, hasn't been hitting. That's the thing. That listen, when people talk about this team and the postseason and what's going to happen and yada yada, let me tell you. I always come back to this. It feels like with this team, it's somebody different every night. Somebody else is going to come along and pick it up. If Matt Olson's not getting it done. Look at the what the the week that Ronald Acuna's had. You know Ronald Acuna's been hot. Braves it they get something every night. Arcia had the big hit the other night. Albie's had that stretch. Ozzy Albie's has that stretch. You're mm-hmm. right. It's somebody different with this team every single night, and that's the reason why I just don't sweat the Braves. Yes, I would have liked to have seen them beat the Dodgers last night and get the sweep and just pummel the heck out of them. Yes, yes, yes. But it didn't happen, and I'm okay with that because this team, it's somebody different every night for them. And, look, you got a 15-game lead in the East. There is a chance for this team. They could make that lead even bigger if they wanted to, and the Braves have got a chance. I mean, look, they're going to win the East. They're going to go to the playoffs. We know this. They got a chance to build their own lead bigger, and they've also got a chance to to spoil it for some of these other teams. You look, St. Louis is in here tomorrow for three. That'll be the last time the Braves have seen St. Louis this season. Cardinals are terrible. They're 50-78. and 78. Pittsburgh for three. Um, Pittsburgh's below 500. They're 63 and 74. The Braves have seven games left against the Phillies, who were 75 and 61. Phillies fighting for that wild card spot. Uh, there's three games left against the Miami Marlins. They're over 500. You've got seven games left against Washington. Nationals are below 500. And. Um, the Cubs, who have a three-game lead on that wild card spot, uh, the Cubs and the Braves tangle for three later um, this month, and the Cubs are seventy-three and sixty-four. So they've got a chance to put a little distance between themselves, a little more distance, I should say, between themselves and everybody else in the in the National League East, and they've got a chance if they wanted to. With some of these teams fighting for the wild card, like the Cubs, um, like the Phillies, like the Marlins, Braves have a Braves have a chance to to make the National League East, in particular those two teams, miserable, miserable in the month of September. All right, Falcons season openers coming up Sunday, one o'clock for the kickoff against the Panthers and Bryce Young. You know, you can hear it right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Let's hear from Chris Lindstrom, though. He said the Falcons, uh, the focus on getting ready for the Panthers started as soon as that last preseason game ended. Uh, right after the preseason, um, you know, you obviously you practice game planning and then, you know, trying to go. But now it's, you know, kind of all starting to focus there. Um, and it's just taking the reps, the small details to kind of focus there. But you kind of, you're lucky this week one, it's almost like a bye week leading into the season. 
what do you want to see from the Falcons in week one outside of a win? A win is given, right? You want to see the Falcons get the win. What do you want to see from the Falcons in week one against Carolina? We're going to get to that in our next segment. We're going to get to your calls on it. We'll do that coming up here in just a bit. Let's hear from uh, Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot. He did a sit-down with AtlantaFalcons.com. You can find it over on the team's website. You can also find it on YouTube. He talked about the Falcons keeping three active quarterbacks on the roster. Here's Terry Fontenot. How much was the emergency quarterback rule in the back of your head versus what Logan Woodside was able to do in the preseason? That's a, that's a great question, and, and I would say it was more about Logan as opposed to the new rule. And um, because if you look at the quarterback position and how we have it structured, we um, made Desmond the starter at the time that we did to be, be very clear with what we're looking for in the quarterback we're assigning. We need to do that for when we brought in uh, Taylor Heineke and we want to be really clear and transparent with the vision for Taylor and we're excited to have Taylor and so with Logan I would say it was very much um, up in the air and we're very open to we can keep three we can keep two but with what he did through the offseason in practice it was very consistent uh, the worker the mental everything that he did and then he got in the games and and he really battled and competed you know, if you've got a chance to keep three active quarterbacks on your roster, why wouldn't you? Um, I, I'll be interested to see what the approach is around the league uh, with this new rule. I, I would think everybody is going to choose to keep that third emergency quarterback. Um, now, I've, I've read some stuff about some teams, you know, may not do it for whatever the reason. I, I don't know why you would – I don't know why you wouldn't, basically – um, if you've got that opportunity, so we'll um, we'll see what it looks like across the across the rest of the league. But for the Falcons, they're going to roll with uh, with three quarterbacks on Sunday. Uh, Terry Fontenot also talked about Bajan Robinson and uh, the workload that he uh, is able to handle this year. Uh, I mean, he has a lot put on him, and I know the coach, the staff has a plan of exactly how to go through it. And but he's handled everything in stride. And when you have a player like that. And it, there's a lot of pressures from every area as we talk about handling adversity and talk about handling ups and downs. You got to be able to handle all the off the field stuff and all that. But I would say he has a rare maturity about himself and to, to be able to handle the first time we met him. And I think back to the, the when we spent time with him in, in Austin, Texas, you saw a rare maturity and someone that has handled everything in stride. And so we fully expect him to handle things the same way, but he has an intensity about him too where Everybody sees the nice smile and the nice, but he locks in and he can go to that dark place and lock in and do whatever he has to do to get the job done. He seems to be as exactly as Terry Fontenot described him. Uh, Bijan seems to be a like he has just handled all of this in stride, um, and he's really kind of stepped in and um, acclimated himself, it feels like, to the NFL life, it doesn't feel like anything has been too big for him. That he's been he's been ready to go um, right from from day one. And as a caller said here several weeks ago, you don't draft a guy that high at that position for him to sit. He's going to be on the field and he's going to get touches. Now, I'm not sure how many of those are handoffs on true running plays. You know, do they? You know, how much of that is? 
him coming in motion and, and it being some sort of a jet sweep type play? How many times are they going to try to throw the ball to him out of the backfield? I mean, that, that's what I think that's one of the more interesting things uh, about what this Falcons team is, is going to look like this year. But rest assured, they're going to get Bijan the ball a lot this year. Let's hear one final time from Terry Fontenot. Here he is on the growth of Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he continues to grow, and, and he continues to get better in all areas of his game. And when you play that position, it's not always just about the physical talent, which we know he has physical talent. And, yeah, we see a lot of guys with physical talent that don't quite handle everything the right way, but it's, it's between the ears. It's, it's right here in your chest. It's, it's everything that he's about because there are going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be challenging moments. This season is almost like a roller coaster, and you better be prepared for that. You better be able to handle the pressure and handle the tough times, not only handle the, the failures, but handle that success. When you're doing really well, you've got to be able to handle it the right way. But we believe in, in, in Desmond in those areas. And so, obviously, he has the physical talent, and we like all those factors. But it's all about who he is as well and how he's going to handle the ups and downs in the season, uh, the successes, the failures. Joe Patrick's going to join us coming up in a few to talk about these Falcons. And that's one of the questions that I posed to Joe. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more from Desmond Ritter in the preseason. You know, the coaching staff got a look at him in the joint practices with the Dolphins. Falcons go do a lot of ones versus ones in practice. So I guess they saw enough. The selfish fan in me, I would have liked to have seen a little more of Desmond Ritter here over these last couple of weeks. Let's continue talking about the Falcons. What do you want to see from the Falcons in week one? 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth hanging out with you on this Labor Day. Eric Slaughter behind the glass. It's game week those Atlanta Falcons we didn't get to see much of the starters in the preseason so what do you want to see from the Falcons in week one against the Panthers aside from a win the win is a given other than a win what do you want to see from the Falcons Sunday 404-726-0929 404-726-0929 if you want to weigh in I want to see Desmond Ritter use his full complement of weapons you know, in the one series that we saw them in the preseason, that drive against the Bengals, I, I thought he did that. Uh, for that being kind of the vanilla version of this offense, if you will, I thought they looked pretty good. Uh, you, you saw Bijan get the ball. Drake London made a heck of a catch on that drive. Get those guys involved. Tyler Algier, Bijan, London, Pitts, Mac Hollins. In recent memories, this is the the most weapons that we've seen from the Falcons on offense. Let's get those guys going. And that's probably the number one thing for me in week one is what does this offense look like? We've heard all about positionless football over this summer from Arthur Smith. Let's see how he uses these guys because I do think there is a lot of versatility there's a lot of different ways they can get these guys the ball. Also, too, the other thing I want to look for is how much better is this defense? And I don't think that Carolina is going to be very good on offense. I really don't. Not that I don't think Bryce Young can't be good, 
but history says rookie quarterbacks in this league struggle. Offensively, in the preseason, Carolina looked a lot like the same Frank Reich offense in Indianapolis that wasn't very good. So I don't necessarily think Carolina's going to be all that great this year on offense. So I want to see this defense shine. And I know that we all want to see the quarterback sacks, and that would be great. But there are guys on that depth chart that can affect this game in more ways than just sacks. Jesse Bates is back at safety. He should be an impact guy. You spent a lot of money trying to make this front seven better. I want to see them better. Can they get pressure on Bryce Young? Can they disrupt the Panthers from what they want to do offensively? And again, it doesn't have to be quarterback sacks. I think that can happen in 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 a multitude of ways. What do you want to see from the Falcons in week one, aside from a win, a win's a given. But what do you want to see from the Falcons week one against the Carolina Panthers? 404-726-0929 here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Let's go to Xavier from Stone Mountain. He's up first. Xavier, what you got today? Hey, Chris. You can hear me pretty well? I got you, man. What's going on? All right. So, in this week one, the number one thing I want to see is smooth execution. I think the way I see preseason, and I feel like a lot of coaches should see, should see preseason, is more like live batch and practice. So if you're telling me that your starting quarterback only has four starts in the league, don't need the snaps and the practice in the live batch environment, that means you're telling me him and that offense is completely ready. So come week one, they need to look like they've been – playing together for at least a year for you to tell me they don't need to be getting any snaps uh, in the preseason. So, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, Xavier. Hey, look, again, Joe Patrick and I are going to talk about this. I actually talked with Joe last night, and Joe and I talked about this because that's one of those things for me I wanted to see more of Desmond Ritter I wanted to see more of the ones on offense over the course of this preseason we didn't get that you go back to Arthur Smith's first year remember his first year he didn't play the ones at all remember that Matt Ryan and those guys they didn't play in the preseason at all that year and remember how sluggish that offense looked when they came out in in week one against was at Philadelphia in Mercedes-Benz and got absolutely demolished by the Eagles 404-726-0929. Let's go to Mark from Atlanta. Mark, you're next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. What's up? I want to see Taylor Heineke in week one because I actually want to win because Taylor Heineke's record as a starter in the NFL is 12-12-1. He's 2-1 against Atlanta. Desmond Ritter is not going to win. He's another Chris Miller, Bobby Hebert, Billy Joe Tolliver, you know, and the problem with the Falcons is it's always been the problem with the Falcons. The GM, we can't draft. We've never been able to draft. And and, and y'all to sit here and act like Desmond, Desmond Ritter got lit up against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. He's not any good. We saw it last year when we put him in. We drafted the wrong guy once again. You know, Heineke's a player. Play him. He's not going to be Brett Favre, but he's going to compete. Mark, appreciate the call. Boy, I take Mark. Big, Mark is Mark is a big old barrel of positivity on a holiday, isn't he? Look, here's the thing about Desmond Ritter. 
We don't know. You don't know. I don't know. Mark don't know. Eric doesn't know. Arthur Smith thinks he knows. Terry Fontenot thinks he knows. But honestly, at the end of the day, we don't know about Desmond Ritter. We haven't seen enough. We didn't see enough in that four-game sample last year. Here's what I do know. I think the guy's got better tools around him than what he had last year. And, you know, somebody, uh, gosh, where was it? Was it was it in the athletic, maybe, in one of their mailbag things that they do? And I can't remember if it was with Josh or Jeff Schultz or who it was. I think that's where I read this at. But somebody asked, said, what does Desmond Ritter need to show for the Falcons not to draft a quarterback next year? And I thought that just the way that that was phrased, Eric, I thought it was interesting because I'll, I'll give you my thought on this. If Desmond Ritter proved – first off, Taylor Heineke, he's a nice backup, right? But let's don't get carried away. If Desmond Ritter shows he's not the guy this year, and we're going to know it. We'll know it in five or six weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to know. If he's not the guy, take a look. I haven't done the math yet, Eric, but I would encourage you to go look at how much money falls off the books. Remember, a lot of these contracts that the one Falcons year. got this year, one-year one year deals, so they're going to have some money next year, and I think they're going to look at the pieces on this roster and say we've got Bijan, there's London, there's Pitts, there's we've got these guys. I think the offensive line is going to be, if they can stay healthy, So are you saying veteran quarterback, not I'm rookie? I'm saying a veteran quarterback. Okay. Cause, cause, I'm saying, that's, yeah, I, I'm yeah, saying okay. you take a look at a team and you go, okay, we've got all of these pieces. Let's go get a guy that can help us right now. Not not somebody that we've got to, you know, we got to go through the, the, the trials and the troubles of a rookie quarterback with. That's what I think they do. Take Cordero's eight mil. Take uh, Caleb Calais Campbell's because he's only in a one year. Take his yeah. little bit of mil. Take somebody else's mil. Put together twenty five thirty. That's it. Mm, I hope and we don't. Have go, to, I hope we don't have to do it. But I can't, I, I I'm you. with you. I don't want to have to do that. But I think that's the direction that the that the Falcons go. Let's go to Drew from Cedar. I want to come back to Mark's comments here in just a second too. Let's go to Drew from Cedar Town. Drew, what's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? Happy Good. Labor Day. Look, Same to you, man. <laughs> talent on this roster has definitely improved um arthur smith i think that this is the first year for his guys so it's kind of sort of i look at it like it's almost like his rookie season for coaching because it's his guys finally yeah so for me what i'm looking for on sunday i'm calling out the city of atlanta i want to see butts in the seat i want kickoff and a loud rowdy atmosphere that's what i'm looking for drew i i like it man i like it appreciate it Thanks for the call. 404-726-0929. What do you want to see from the Falcons in week one against Carolina? Drew wants to see a, a packed and loud Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That would be good. I'll be honest. I know it's the preseason. I know nobody likes the preseason. Um, the announced crowd at uh, Mercedes-Benz for those two home preseason games you can cut those numbers in about half. You know, I think they were, you know, 61, 65,000. Those numbers probably more like 31, 30. And in terms, excuse me, in terms of actual butts in seats, it's probably about 31, 32,000. Uh, I hope, uh, which makes that place look, I mean, you know, makes that place look empty. 
So I hope that, to Drew's point, there is a lot of butts in seats for the kickoff uh, of the Panthers. Now, And I hope there's a lot of red and black walking through those doors and not like the, the black and gold that we had to sit through with the Steelers. There were more Steeler fans there for that preseason game than there were Falcon fans. And that's okay. You know, the real the real testimony will be in week two. There will be a lot of uh, gold, yellow, whatever you call that, puke. A lot of cheese heads, all that, that, that gro- you know, I see people coming out, and I make this joke every time the Packers come to town. I see people that wear these cheese heads, and I say, can you even find Wisconsin on a map, you know? Can you even tell me the capital of the state of Wisconsin? <laughs> I know you ain't never been to Green Bay because it's as small as a pea, so, right. you know, but, yeah. That that green, that green and puke green and yellow will be there they, in week two. Will, and, yeah, and be I'm a lot not of, mad at them. Be I'm a lot of Aaron Rodgers and uh, Brett Favre jerseys walking in. Yeah, yeah. But let uh, me let me go back to something Mark said a second ago, and I tease Mark about about being negative, but the one thing he is right about, historically speaking, Falcons have been terrible at drafting. Terrible, and I, I'll tell you what, uh, just random funny fact here maybe it's not all that funny Eric if you're a Falcons fan but um you know the whole time growing up and I, I still do it today I mean I you know I've, I've talked before about my love of preseason college football magazines uh when I was a kid in addition to buying the college magazines I would always buy at least one pro football magazine preview magazine going back from the time I was probably you know in the mid 80s when I was about 11 or 12 I have them all in a in a big Rubbermaid tub and uh, cleaned out the garage, The uh, was it last week, two weeks ago? Found that Rubbermaid tub that they're all in. I actually brought it inside, sat down one night, and I started thumbing through those. Uh, I think it was either, I think it was 1991. The Falcons had, of the 11 starters on defense, Eight of those guys were first-round draft picks. Eight of the 11, and they were not good. <laughs> they were not good. Oh, gosh, that was Andre Bruce. Who was the number was a one buzz. pick overall. And no. who, was the, who was the corner that the uh, Falcons drafted in the early 90s out of Nebraska? He was not good. There were, I mean, there were just so many – Bad drafts for the and I always blame the the Smith family for it, right? When when they own the team, that they would not do what they had to do to, you know, number one to pay guys to stay here when they did find somebody, uh, but number two, I never felt like the Falcons ever had the right people in place from a from a talent evaluation standpoint. I, I, one thing I'll say about Terry Fontenot is I, I think Fontenot and his guys have done a really good job in his forte when he was with, with New Orleans was in pro scouting. Um, and if you go back and look at the guys, the way the Falcons have been able to scrape some guys up off the street over the last couple of years to fill needs and holes on this team, look, I think they've, from that standpoint, I think they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. How is Rashawn Evans still without a job? You know, he was a no former first-round pick that dude we got in here. everything. Yeah. That, that's what pro scouting does. You go and you find guys on other teams' rosters that, hmm, he could do something for us. He can help us. 
he can help us. Hey, Eric, I still want to get your thoughts uh, on what you think the Falcons need to do. We're going to revisit this later on in the show. So if you didn't get a chance to call in, we'll get to you in a bit. Uh, when we do it again, we've also got five Falcons questions coming up. We're going to a whole hour talking NFL football. Hang with us. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.